You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. If you haven't already, download the Go Wild app wherever apps can be downloaded. Or for more information, visit timetogowild.com. If you want to be a part of the fastest growing outdoor community on the web, Go Wild is the social media platform for you. It's the home for hunters and fishermen and outdoor enthusiasts from hiking and camping to backpacking and more and more and more. You need to check out the Go Wild app today. Sign on and time to go wild. All right, guys, gals, this is your host, Adam Keith. We're right here on Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network coming to you with the Land and Legacy Hunting Podcast. We've had a uh, a string of hunts here lately, a nice cold front, and, of course, we're coming up on the last week, little, I guess, little, little bit longer than a full week, but... Um, Coming up on the end of October, which is a magical, magical time in the world of deer hunting um, and across most of the Midwest. There's Our country, there's I should say. Of, of basically, it's kind of like everyone puts their foot on the gas pedal, it feels like October 31st. And it's just like game on for everyone uh, after that. But there's a lot to be said about honestly between now what we're facing and, and that 31st of October and what we're talking about today primarily is scrapes. And That's right. I feel like this window that we have, this week and a half, if you will, um, before November 1 starts is peak scraping time frame. Because then we transition real quickly, almost like the snap of a finger, right into just Full straight born up chase. chase. And right now, though, is where scraping activity is at its peak. And there's a lot to be said about scrapes, a lot that been said already about scrapes whether it's right or wrong but today we're going to talk about all the different um things that we learn from scrapes being in the what area. to look for how to hunt them exactly. um all things scrapes uh to me going back to talking about late october or whatever this is the time of year where we're coming up on when the one or two weeks given to an employee for vacation is cashed in yeah. Oh, yeah. This is when it gets really serious. When you know a guy is taking the vacation. the prized, <laughs> his very few pr- possibly vacation days, unless you work for the government, you get six weeks of it. Chad, um, <laughs> we're not bitter or anything. <laughs> You've got the guys that are like working the blue collar, hardworking guys mm-hmm. um, that that 
have to use vacation time for other things, but they set away just a few days to take late October, early November. Yeah, that's that's definitely this time frame. And honestly, I think as I look back over years, regardless of scraping activity and getting closer to the peak of the rut, honestly, from a comfort, enjoyment, and just being at peace in the woods, I feel like the majority of my time I would reflect back on is the most peaceful sets I had was this window, this time frame where the leaves are really starting to change. You have cold, crisp air hit you right in the face, and leaves are falling. First official oh. frost was yeah. today. First heavy yeah. frost was today here. First in, killing frost. Here in uh, southern Missouri where we're at. So a lot of things are getting ready to change. I saw several videos pop up on social media today where guys were like, heavy frost has definitely knocked back the uh, – or has caused the leaves to start falling mm-hmm. hardcore, and it was just a tree, just rain and yeah. leaves. We haven't really got there yet with where we're at. We're seeing a lot of the Quite. understory trees have changed. The dogwoods are bright red right mm-hmm. now. A lot of the maples are changing. Hickories um, are starting to take that like twist to that yellow orangish buzz. Yeah, like um, you just hit them with herbicide uh-huh. two two days ago. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things changing. That's where this time of year you kind of – I almost want to – I'll say it, October lull. It's like that kind of borderline where people are like, is it over yet? Is it is it ready to bust open? I never saw it this year because we had a heck of a cold front hit where it was just people are killing good deer from October 15th to now where it's just – A lot of It's been an deer. incredible, incredible cold front for the middle of October. Um, and, but now this is some of my, like you said, some of my favorite times of the year to hunt because leaves are changing. You're really starting to scrape. Um, and you know, you'll see the scrapes September 15th, a lot of places uh-huh. on the edge of food plots. They're just open and, them up again. And, and a lot of times it's, it's immature deer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a one time where, uh, I'll share a lot of stories in this podcast. Um, I was in college, and a buddy of mine goes, oh, my gosh, food plot. We were hunting a lot of public ground. He goes, food plot six is just every limb's got a scrape under it. Uh, how many times have you heard that? <laughs> every limb, all of them, yeah. every overhanging limb. And so uh, he went there and, and was hunting. He's like, oh, every limb is ripped up. And I'm like, sweet. And at this point, uh, at this point in my career, it was like, man, scrapes got me excited. And uh, – and not to say they still don't get me excited, but this one was just like a long, skinny food plot had scrapes on every limb. It actually did. I mean, it, there were scrapes Pour everywhere. He went in there and he goes, I got one. And uh, I'm like, really? Now, of course, you automatically, every time you see a big rub, every time you see a big scrape, you picture a big buck. Full mature. It was not that. Pointer. He <laughs> shot a six-pointer. <laughs> and not Good to say him. that's there's nothing wrong with that. He was pumped. I was pumped. It was pretty. Yeah. It was like early September, and uh, or mid September, early in September. So um, early in hunting season, and man, it's just like that was a classic case. Immature buck coming into a food plot, yeah. making scrapes like crazy because he's way ready long before anything <laughs> mature is. Not to get off track a little bit, but that kind of takes me back to one hunt that I was on. Um, I was I was in college too, and my dad. He had been checking the fields and stuff in the evenings kind of for me. He said, oh, there's been a lot of deer in the middle field. Okay, cool. Where they've been coming out, gave me kind of the general, here's what they're doing. 
and I get back, take the climber in, climb up, and there had been scrapes along the edge that I was seeing too, and I got pretty tight to the bedding. Anyhow, here comes this deer, and it's a it's a decent eight pointer. It was young, but I got excited because that was the first time, like real, just first experience that I had when a deer just snort wheezed. Oh man! And like I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like. I need to be on TV to get this. Like, that only happens on TV, and it just yeah. happened here on the farm in the middle field. Are you kidding me? Um, and then turned quarter and away, and I shot him. <laughs> I'm like, that's it. That, that's all you had to do. Yeah. Just snort wheeze, and I was drawn. He, he snort wheezed, and I know he's a bad boy now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was like, in my head, it's like, oh, he's bigger than what I think he is. Like, yeah. the joke He just snort wheezed. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Only old yeah. deer snort wheeze. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Not true, but that was but for me. And the older that was so cool. Only old old deer. Some of the myths. Only old deer snort wheeze, and the older the buck is, the deeper his grunt oh, is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I love that one. And the, and you know the, of course the uh, association you have with the size of the rub and and the, the size. Well, only a big deer, or only a uh, oh huge deer can make that rub and this and that and. And I was, I think you've seen it. Didn't he send it to you? Our our buddy or our team member Seth Harker. He showed me today. The in the, in the he in put the stand. a a camera on a on a big rub mm-hmm. that. You would typically, I mean, big as your big yeah, as your thigh. thigh. It's four or five inches. It's diameter. a nice yeah. rub. Yeah. And he put pictures on it. We'll share them as soon as we get them all kind of coordinated. But um, of all the deer that came in, and he calls it a loafing area because yeah. it's like one deer was there for like thirty minutes, just standing, rubbing, sniffing. And it's in a spot that on that farm, it's like, why would they loaf there? It's weird. But they do. It's it's the rub. I'm guessing as soon as you pull in, mainly right on that it's little that, row of pines. That tiny little row of pines between a cattle pasture, a guy's house, and that and pond, the rest, and the and the pond, and the rest of the field. It's the well. When we went to go scout, uh huh, this summer, that little path we walked through. It's right. There, it's all, okay. It's in that path. Wow. Yeah. Like, why? Why is it here? There's there's no cover. Right well, here. they stand right there to watch, and because they know that's Seth, Seth's only way in too. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as he He's rolls coming. up, yeah. run! <laughs> yeah, they give him way too much credit if they're yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that was like, there's a multiple list of uh, uh, age differences of bucks that have rubbed that tree. Oh yeah. I, there was a spike, yeah. a nice deer, a couple nice deer, younger. Two and a half, three and a half year old yep. deer, um, of varying size, varying age, but they all they all hit it. It's yep. kind of, it's a and we'll talk about this more of course as we get into the scrapes and stop getting sidetracked, but it's a little communication hub. We don't ever get sidetracked. Never. So. Never. Um I mean deer have glands on their foreheads, this is why they scrape, but they also leave scent on rubs too. Yep. So all of this like it's just a great place to document deer, but Anyhow, scrapes. I, I shot a I shot the deer because of snort weed. I was like, that joker's old. I, I mean, shot a deer old this time of year. Well, it was the day before past his prime. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew cold buck. Yeah, I knew that wasn't the case. But I was like, yeah, man, it didn't matter. That fired me up. Cold fired buck. me up. We uh, I was hunting a week. It was like the day before gun season. Um, 
which gun season fell early that year, like November seventh or something, and so oh, it was boy. like early, early, uh, early November, and I'm sitting in my tree stand and in the tree on Prairie Hollow property, and I hear, brat, 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 oh. like I can hear multiple grunts, and he very excited, and I hear. <laughs> You know that sound. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my. And I grab my bow. And uh, here they came. And he came storming up there behind him. And I couldn't even see. I saw a bigger body. And <laughs> and I couldn't even see antlers. And I thought, he's got a big body and he's grunting. Big, I know he's mature. Big body. Check. Deep grunt. Check. <laughs> I'm shooting. side. Check. Yeah. 20 yards. yards. Tw- 20 yards. Oh. And I shot it, and uh, he ran 50 yards, piled up. One of the reddest arrows I've ever seen where it was just like... Painted. Painted, but not like dripping off, just like solid red. And uh, he was a one-pointer. He had broke (laughs) off one side at the base and the other side about five inches up. Actually, it hangs in my... Oh, yeah. In the cabin right above the Hunt Terra map. Yeah. And... uh, and sure enough, yeah, That's freaking he w- he ended up looking back at it. He was probably two and a half, yeah. just busted yeah. the heck out of his rack. Um, <laughs> but that was another case of sounding bigger than he actually yeah. was. Yeah. So, but it's it's like when when you when the teacher calls on you in class and it's seventh grade and you're like, the answer's eight. Yeah, you and try not to yeah. get your voice to crack because yeah. you're at that awkward stage in yeah, life. You're like, all these girls are looking at me right now. And I don't want my buddies to make fun of me. Yeah. yeah. So Been there, done that. Anyway, scrapes. To me, scrapes is something that can get get you fired up. I mean, yeah. it's you see, I seem to find more scrapes than I do rubs because I don't typically, unless I'm going to a certain stand, I don't bust into the timber. Yeah. Um, to hunt this time of year to, tends to be or to more scout rubs around to scout I should bedding say bedding areas and closer yeah. proximity so rubs is that good indicator like when we used to hunt the prairie holler property we just always referred to it as sawmill holler and we would walk the logging roads up and it would always be like ah oh, there's not many scrapes and it was a pretty good indicator of what the temperature of the deer was what how many bucks were in the area because being a large chunk of timber if there were scrapes on those roads we knew there were deer actively using those roads to travel through it. Mm-hmm. Then there'd be years where there wasn't any acorns, and you'd go in there beginning or late October, early November, and you're like, "There's no, there's no scrapes. Where's the deer at?" Like, yeah. and and you would hunt anyway because you hiked all the way in there, and you wouldn't hardly see anything. And it was a great indicator in that terrain, that property, that when you saw the scrapes, you knew the deer were. We're starting to think in, about it. In the area, yeah. Um, but I never, I mean, how quickly do we want to jump into this? I guess 30-minute podcast, so we will jump right into it. I don't ever find a scrape and say I need to hunt right on it. Uh, no, no, I, I don't. A, a lot of times you will or will be hunting a set, and there will be scrapes there, but that set wasn't necessarily hung because of the scrape. It's just in a good location where deer are frequenting, but they're not frequenting just because of that scrape. And sometimes they don't even have to be frequenting. It's just a one-time deal. Yeah. They walked to the edge of a field. They saw an, uh, another buck, and they got a little riled up. They it, made a scrape. It's a, definitely a display of aggression. Because, like, we can read a deer's temperature based on the sign that they leave, but deer show aggression, like visual aggression to other deer based on the, like, 
the visual signs. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it is bristled hair, bristled ears hair, back. Like really pawing, throwing dirt back, raking antlers in limbs. That displays dominance to other deer who are there yep. to see. And that's where you'll see that, you know, that scrape that is just, you know, fresh and just busted wide open, but they've only hit it like that one time. Yep. Then the, you've got your other type of scrapes that are really, and these are the scrapes if I'm looking for a place to hunt and I'm I'm not purposely going to hunt over the scrape or say, okay, there's a scrape here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill a deer tonight. But these are the type of scrapes where you're like, there's a good chance if I'm in this area that I'll see deer coming to it. And that's the, the big kind of community scrapes mm-hmm. um, or communication scrapes. Now, because some people call community scrapes <laughs> size of your truck hood. Yep. Um, yep. Just big scrapes. And, and I've seen these where the community scrape is one that's probably there year after year. Um, a lot of times those are in in very core areas where there's a lot of deer activity. It's almost a borderline loafing area, and you see a lot of you'll see a lot of scat in them, a lot of bare ground, l- multiple licking branches possibly. And then I've even found them where there wasn't any licking branches. Yeah. Um, and those are just really really awesome places to know about, but don't bank every dollar you got or every day you got into hunting over that scrape. No matter what kind of scrape it is, if it's just one out of aggression or if it's a communication uh, scrape, or community scrape, I don't ever like go out purposely, Matt and I, with tree stands on our back going, all right, whenever we find the scrape, we're going to hunt it. And and I feel like it's important to talk about like why deer do scrape, but and it is to communicate with one another of who's in the area because of the... the the glands on their foreheads, the pre, and then the preorbital glands, they're using that to identify who's who, leave their mark, their scent, and, and then also peeing, peeing in on their, their tarsal glands and leaving that scent as well. Um, and then their inner digital glands in their hooves, they're leaving that scent too. But all these identifying markers tells deer who's in the area, who's not in the area, and basically when they're peeing in these scrapes and on their glands, it gives their temperature of, okay, is this a really, really rutting deer? Like, is he a dominant deer because of all the um, excess, basically, gland secretions that he's got? And what about the doe, too? Because she's got glands in her female parts that are... Is she receptive or not? exactly. So all this is happening, but those community scrapes, I haven't found one honestly, that I feel like is in an area that is even safe to hunt. They always seem to be in areas that are high deer traffic, which you're like, well, why wouldn't you hunt it? But they're very like kind of secure areas. And they're, they would, the ones I have found anyhow, not saying they're not out there. To give people an idea, to hunt. Um, when we're talking about nature. a community scrape, just to kind of give you an idea, the ones I found are probably bigger than a 10 by 10 room or about that size where they're bigger than a truck hood. And, and, and or we've seen like on, on cedars where it, it is basically like the entire circumference of the band cedar. around the entire cedar. Like all of that is a scrape. Yes. It, it, I feel like it'd be like all the other scrapes in comparison are um, a mall across America. 
And then when you find the community scrape, it is like the mall of America. It is that big, that huge. And you're like, holy cow, I found the mother load. That's it. Uh, and to me, like, the, to get back to, like, for people to understand, because I think sometimes people call community call scrapes community scrapes and they're not probably a community scrape i think i've found i can think of three or four that i found in my entire life yeah and every one of them was like man this would be awesome to hunt over but there ain't no way we can get here no possible way and none of them were on the edge of a field no 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 no. they were all in the heart of and i'm talking southern iowa northern missouri where there aren't a lot of it, it is mostly open. Still, the community scrapes I found were in the timber. Deep, thick timber. They're and they're incredible. Thanks to like, if you look back and 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 think about all the other sign that's around them, they're really incredible. Kind of like study, if you will, for the time that you're there. But it's not a. They're certainly separate from the typical scrape you see along the side of the field edge. Yeah. But w- even with those, those are still just points where deer come by. They check. And then they move along. And sometimes there's deer that come into the field and they never check the scrape. And you're like, you've got to come over here. Come check the scrape. Come do it. Work the scrape, man. And they just don't. But one of the biggest things I think when it comes to, okay, I found a scrape. What do I do next? It tends to be for us, is this a good place to hang a trail camera? Yep. That's the biggest impact. I feel like that. Okay. Is this one consistent? Like, maybe it's a new property you get to. And first year you hunt it, there's scrapes all over the place. Document where they're at. Next year, when the scrapes start to open up, the ones that do open up and are still there, or, or you know, they, they op- reopen them, those are the important ones. Hang a troll camera there because that is the more centrally located um, dominant place that deer are in the whole as a whole herd are coming to or if you found the one on the edge of field and you're like boy this is a nice one i have a good tree to put a camera on but there's a few others down there go cut the licking branch off the other one so they have to come to this one or if they want to yeah. scrape on the edge of this field they have to come to that one exactly exactly so we've got the who what when where why how maybe i added a whole bunch in there but who who uses scrapes all deer Every and it goes one. from buttonhead, doe fawn, all the way up to mature buck, um, to mature doe. All of them use those scrapes or use scrapes to communicate. Yeah. It's a it's a social media handle or a social media page where they're all coming to these scrapes, and they may not go to every one of them because there's going to be you're going to find scrapes across the landscape, but. Scrapes are a great way for deer to communicate with each other, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast. That's kind of like if if every single deer went to every single scrape, then a buck wouldn't have to go to every single scrape to figure out who who all's there. They come and they will check, sniff it, and move on. He would just go bed to the next one twenty yards away. Yeah, exactly. And he yeah, just like, watch them come up to it. It's and like then, cherry picking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So what? What is the purpose of the scrape? We kind of just covered that. It's a communication. Uh, all deer use them. What are they doing? They're trying to communicate with each other. They're trying to locate a receptive doe. They're leaving their own scent. Let them know they're in the neighborhood. Um, it's just a to, communication. To it's, me, the biggest portion is... a forum. Is, yeah. The receptive doe portion. Like, yeah. everything... Oh, not everything. But 
I would say 50% of the things that whitetails do is either preparing for uh, reproduction, and this is one of those things. Like yeah. so much activity, so much energy goes into reproduction, and these scrapes are the way that deer. Let's, I mean, if a hot doe comes and checks the scrape, and then walks, you know, she comes by at seven o'clock, and then the buck gets done chasing other does. You know, let's say he swings by, checks that scrape at nine o'clock, he will still be able to figure out where she went, like hit that trail, but he's going to come check that scrape first and then thump, go after her. So where are we going to find scrapes? A lot of times you'll find them on the edge of fields. You'll find them on logging roads. You'll find them on main roads, like just two tracks through the, through the farm. Um, you'll find them in the middle of timber where you don't see a trail coming to it. Um, you can find them almost anywhere. I, I think of like benches, saddles. All those those areas that are going to have deer traffic on them. And Tops that's where drains. if you find an area with a lot of trails and a lot of scrapes, it's like, okay, this is a pretty good indicator. That there's a lot of activity going on down here. Because uh, you'll find just trails and no scrapes around. Or you'll find scrapes and not really significant trails. If you can find significant trails with some scrapes, um, that's something I might get a little bit more excited about. To me, I feel like that indicates more of... Or maybe would allude to more of a bottleneck, yeah. Because there's just a a massive junction of or assembly of sign deer sign, so they're going to come through there. It's just showing that there's X amount of deer. Yep. The whys, we already really the why and the what is pretty similar when we discuss in scrapes. Why are they doing again? Communication, and I'll, uh, I'll say this: Why do we care? Yeah, all we know is that they're doing it. Uh, we understand why they're doing it, but now it's going, okay, I'm going to use that to to really um, try to inc- increase my knowledge of what the deer are doing. To me, uh, when I see why, let's say, why do I care? Why, do I, why is this scrape important to me? Is it in a location that I can hunt if I did want to hunt it? Is it in a location, is this scrape getting worked multiple times a day or is it an active scrape to where deer are visiting it a lot that's what i'm looking at on why should i hunt here yeah and i think it's important to talk about like the research too that supports and associated with scrapes and i i can't remember the exact percentage but it is in the 80 percentile of act scrape activities done at night yeah and it's like holy cow okay um you know, it doesn't say that you have a 20% chance of harvesting that deer, but it's just saying that 20% of the activity that's going to be associated with that sign that's left in these areas only happens during daylight. It still may be a great place to harvest deer, but what scrapes truly do tell us and tell any hunters who's monitoring scrapes with trail cameras is what deer are active in that area. You More know, so than this is where I need to be hunting at. There's a... That separation. There's important. a lot of information out there, some some truthful, some opinion based, and I've shared the kind of some of the research that or articles because that was what you read back in the day, and a lot of people still read articles. But I read the one I told you about not mixing cereal grains with brassicas because uh, brassicas oh, yeah. were aleopathic yeah. and they couldn't comp- they couldn't go well with others, and yeah. it was like don't ever mix your always plant monocultures 
And I'm like, wink, wink, wink. wow, that guy really ch- changed my mindset in a bad way for years mm-hmm. until I educated myself in other ways. Um, one about scrapes that I remember as a as a teenager was that the primary sca- scrapes are all cleaned out within five minutes after precipitation stops. <laughs> and I and I remember reading that going within five minutes. Man, you pretty Dear much have active. to be sitting there. I want to hunt when that rain stops. <laughs> yeah. You have to be sitting there in the rain just waiting for it to stop. And as soon as it does, you better get ready because they're going to the start first thing you bought? parading by. A rain, a, a rain an umbrella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm not kidding oh, you. Oh, I went God. and bought an umbrella. And and so that that's one of those where it's like some people put a lot of stock into scrapes and the value they have in your hunting strategy. We do not because there's too much research that shows that you're really you're going to waste a lot of time if you put that much stock into hunting scrapes for successful hunts. Just uh, because of the the daylight versus uh, daylight versus dark. dark, the amount of scrapes that are across the landscape. Oh my gosh, there's so many more that hard we don't even to know. really tell which ones are the primary ones and which ones are the I guess secondary ones. Which ones get made and then never return to. Um, and that's where I think there's value in hunting a property year after year and understanding which scrapes are the popular ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, of course, to me, the thing I love about scrapes is I love finding what I believe is a very active one and putting a trail camera on it. That's fun. That is fun. <clears throat> Here's what I would, I guess, would challenge people. And again, not to say I haven't shot deer over scrapes or, or like, well, I look at Kansas last year. That deer came yep. and checked, I don't know, four or five scrapes within under 40 yards um, of us. And th- they, gosh, those scrapes were there. But he didn't come to that field just to hit those scrapes. There was a dozen other scrapes around that field. Dozen, That was, least, to me, a... a like That was a display of dominance to me, yeah. what he was doing. Because um, the field was full of deer. Um, he kind of goes and, and set check those. And, and anyhow, like... Those the trail camera on the scrape though over time and throughout this next window that we're about to hit, like end of October through November, and then then again we hit that resurgency in December, um, when when fawns become receptive, but it really tells you who in the area is working that farm, and then what you know, new deer come in from outside. You're like, oh, my gosh, who is that? It, it, you can't hunt every single day, and you can't be everywhere, but those trail cameras on scrapes, those new those new deer will find the scrapes, work those scrapes, I feel like, more so than the, the deer, I guess, who are, are the locals, if you will, because they really need to know who's in that area. Yeah. So the new deer will migrate to a scrape. On a new on a new farm, you'll see a lot. Like I mean, last year we had a couple new bucks show up on the farms that we had never seen them, and the only time we saw them hunting or camera wise was when they came in and hit one of the primary scrapes that we had a camera on. Yeah, and yeah. some of them got killed by the neighbors, and it was like they never seen him. But what did they do? They came in, hit the scrape, yeah. knew who's in the area. That's it. And so using that to your hunting strategy is. I want to be in an area where I know deer are active. I want to be in more of a bottleneck. But if there's a scrape there, it's just a plus saying. It's almost like a seal of approval of saying mm-hmm. this is a good area because 
Um, we know there's active deer in here because it's a bottleneck. We know there's great deer sign, but here's a scrape too. And if it is a scrape that's getting used multiple times, it's like if a buck comes in here, there's a good chance he may come and check this scrape. Yeah, it, but it, he's not going to come to this area just to check this scrape, I don't And think. just during daylight. Yeah. I think, I don't know if I finished that thought I said earlier. I can't remember. But to challenge people to, if you're not hanging trail covers on scrapes, do so. But then log the activity, daylight versus dark activity that you have on scrapes. And then just kind of see for yourself if those scrapes are getting worked more in the daylight or more in the dark. And don't, like, don't take a great scrape and put a camera on it and come back and check it in three days and yeah. six days. And Let then it work. Nine days. That's why I'm so excited about the Cuddy Link system where yeah. we're going to have, how many is it now, 12 cameras? I think we've got 12 Cuddy Link cameras all linked to a cell that's going to be sending us pictures. It worked extremely well for us this weekend when the cows got out. <laughs> and it was like, boom, boom. Oh, new email came through. Let's cows are out. Mom, cows are out. We're in a stand. Yep. And Dad's loaded up, headed down there. I'll get them. And uh, he's got them back in now in, in the fence. But, you know, in the past, when cows get out, it may have been a week or two before we ever found them. Yeah. And it was like, oh, they've already eaten that food plot down to nothing. Now, hopefully, we'll have cameras out there where it'll be like, my dad's going to hate these cameras because it's going <laughs> to be like, dad, cows are out, dad, cows are out. Um, or, or it's, hey, they're here, now they're over here, Yeah, now they're over there. Yeah, so um, using this time of year, my cameras um, have always been on scrapes. Uh, I can't think of a more exciting time to put out trail cameras than when deer are really scraping, mature deer as well. Um, the the buck that we hadn't seen, actually the real big show, mm -hmm. um, he showed up, hadn't seen him since January, and he walked through a saddle that I'd put a mock scrape up, and it was just, boom, there he showed up. And it was like, if uh, I have to ask the question, if I hadn't have raked that dirt up, and made it look like scrape what he had just kept walking and never stepped in well, front and, of the camera. And that's the, the I guess, leads into this thing. Is, is I bet you there's someone out there right now who's thinking, well, do you do you put any scent in your – you'd have a scent dripper or do you put any lure or anything in these scent, in these um, scrapes? And, and for that scrape, and, and really any scrape, deer can smell if there's fresh dirt that's been moved. And that's a big scent thing for them. Huge. So if you simply just clear out leaves and rake away, basically bust up that little bit of soil, just like a deer would with its paw, open that up, you can sit there and smell. Basically what it is is decomposing leaves and dirt and organic matter. You can smell that, and that activates them. So let's just say that deer, he could have been – um, coming on the backside of that camera never would have been just in front of it. We never would have gotten images of him and not seen him there and gotten that intel. But simply by having a licking branch in place and then clearing out the leaves and exposing that dirt, boom, now he's there. And it's a visual thing and a, and a um, scent thing. So that's and, how they and move. And us, we even pee in them ourselves. Yeah. Um, just to make it even more attractive because in no time that's breaking down to ammonia. So it's, uh, I mean, all mammal pee is the same uh, when it, once it's exposed to oxygen. So that's what we're doing in them and, and have had great success and saved a lot of money on, on not having to buy scents. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing. 
especially with um, the prevalence and, and exposure um, of CWD, you got to be careful what kind of sense you're putting out there, too. Um, yep. There's just so many unknowns. That's probably ruffling people's feathers, but it's the truth of where your scent is coming from and whether it's synthetic or not. Um, but, you know, like I said, I I pee in them, and it breaks down really quickly. Um, and I, I peed in them. Deer come like that afternoon. It's not a big deal. It's activating that, basically that soil, if you will, that scent, and putting it right there. Yep. It's so hopefully this podcast helped you guys in deciding whether or not you should hunt on the pod or hunt on the podcast, ah. hunt on the scrape line or hunt the scrapes. They're a great thing to find. They're a great indicator of uh, deer in the area, but it's not something you want to bank all your hunting Put all your success in. in. So um, that pretty well wraps us up for this week's hunting podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it, and hopefully you're finding some time to get out in the outdoors and enjoy God's creation because it is a beautiful time to be out there. It certainly and, is. And uh, hopefully, um, th- Lord willing, we'll see you guys next week. See ya.